inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. Welcome back to the Ascend podcast and to the second episode in our mini-series on mental health. We are getting fantastic reviews of last week's informative show with Ben Slater of Five Ways Devon. So if you missed that, be sure to wind back to the 6th of May episode titled, It Won't Always Be Like This. Today we are talking with Mark Baldwin-Smith, who was born in Cambridge, studied environmental science at the University of Reading before undertaking a master's in environmental ethics at Edinburgh University from 2012 to 2014. After a relationship makeup with Jesus Christ and a relationship breakup from a long-term girlfriend, Mark decided to return to Cambridge in 2019. Since then, he has been finding a home church whilst working for the National Trust and in various key roles on staff at C3. Hi, Mark. Hello, Alan. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It really provided me a lot of sustenance over the winter months, so I really appreciate it. And I'm really thankful that you're doing a topic on mental health too, because it's something really close to my heart. So thank you. Great. Well, we are looking forward to hearing more about your story. And now we always get to know our guests with some quickfire questions. So are you up for these? I sure am, Alan. Great. So first of all, what was the last book you read? The last book I read was actually a book by Francis Chan about the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it was called The Forgotten God. Um, And it's basically an argument in favour of bringing the Holy Spirit back into the centre of our worship and the centre of our spiritual lives, which we already do here at C3, but it was uh, aimed at the wider church. Excellent. Thank you for that. Uh, Sounds very deep. Um, Second one, which is not very deep, uh, food-related. What's your favourite jacket potato filling? I'm I'm pretty traditional when it comes to potatoes, so I'd, I'd probably say baked beans and cheese. Great. No butter? No butter. Okay. And finally, what's your biggest regret? My biggest regret is I didn't start my journey with Jesus earlier. Um, During the many years, I was searching for something to fill the void. Mm. I waited so late into my life. I waited until the turn of my 30s to have that relationship. Well, you've still got, God willing, plenty of years left in you. That's true. I appreciate that. So let's start by hearing what you've been doing for the past six months. So for the past six months, I've had an increase in responsibility. I've been working hard at C3. I've recently taken on two extra days, and I'm now the centre administrator. So I'm handling external bookings, internal bookings, and health and safety checks, as well as doing the usual admin stuff I do. And that may not sound terribly remarkable to our listeners, but going back a few years, Mm. that would have been very unusual. Yes. Tell us more. Well, for about 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, Later, switched to a diagnosis of bipolar, and I had depressions in the winter and mania in the summer. Quite mild mania, hypomania, but very deep depressions, and I couldn't work during the winter. So every year without fail for 15 years, I was completely incapacitated. And it's only in the last four years, coincidentally, maybe, or maybe it's a blessing from God, the last four years since I became a Christian, I haven't had depression. So me working in the winter is a big deal for me. It's life-changing. Wow. So, so I want to know more about that. But before we do that, let's go back to the childhood of Mark Mm. what was what was it like growing up I had a happy childhood yeah I had a supportive family I had a brother and sister both younger 
grew up in Cambridge. Well, I started off growing up in March, then I started getting a Fenland accent, so my mum and dad moved me into Cambridge. Honestly, oh, true story. And yeah, I had a good childhood. I was very happy. I've got a lot of fond memories. I got on well with my siblings, and uh, yeah, my mum and dad were held together, a really good, strong family. So, and and were you suffering in any any way then from from any of these mental health episodes that you've had since? Not as a child. No, it happened when I was in my teens. And what happened then? Well, I basically stopped being able to sleep, um, and I went a week without sleep. And I still happened to go to school, so I had no reason not to, and I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't um, work properly. I fell behind at school. I begged my parents to bring me to a psychiatrist because I knew something was wrong. They were scared of me having some kind of permanent record and that it might affect my job future or something, my career future. And to be honest with you, my mind completely unraveled. I mm. had a complete breakdown, um, as happens if you, go, if you don't sleep for that long. It happens to anybody if you go that long without sleep. You say that long. How, how long did you go without sleep? I went a week and a half without sleep. Oh, okay. And... I was later diagnosed with a manic episode, so I basically had too much energy, and my body was giving me an overdose of hormones and neurotransmitters like dopamine. It's, it's equivalent to... I've never taken drugs, but I've, I've heard it's equivalent to taking something like cocaine or speed. Right. And that being there 24-7, and the exhaustion that comes with that. And then basically after that exhaustion, you go down into a deep depression, a big come down. And that can last up to six months. So that's what happened to me after. And I was completely incapacitated. And, and were you sort of diagnosed? Were you medicated? What, what yes, happened? I received a medication, which I don't mind sharing. It was called a lanzapine. It's one I'd recommend people stay away from because I put on six stone in six months and then had to go back to school explaining hmm. why I'd been off with this taboo subject, mental health, and also having to explain why I'd put on six stone. And my parents campaigned to get me taken off that medication. I switched to a better medication, which I'm still on now, and that's worked really well. So I'm um, I'm really curious how you went from then to now. Uh, mm. Now you're fully functioning. Yep. Nobody would know it would be a different mark during the winter to the summer. Yeah. Um, something's happened along the way, and I'm curious what that is. Sure. Well, lots of little things, really. I mean, the big change with um, coming to Christ was hope. So one of the really big changes of having Jesus in my life was that I started to believe my life could be different. Mm. Whereas before I was resigned to this depression, I'd, I'd basically le had learned helplessness. I'd learned there's nothing I could do about it. It happened every year. And with Jesus, I had this, I prayed for help and I had this hope that something good would happen. And that meant my attitude to health, mental health completely changed. I started taking vitamin D supplements. I got a sun lamp. I went for more exercise during the winter because exercise is great for your mood. I built up a great support network around me and some fail-safe plans, what happens if I did get on well again, to, to limit the, the impact of it. So basically, the big change was hope and prayer, actually having, having this belief that it could change. And that changed the way I acted, and the way I acted changed the results in my mental health. Yeah. And, and so you've gone from barely surviving mm. to thriving. Yeah, sure. And it's through a combination of different things, from, from God's intervention... Yeah medicine, technology, good habits. T tell me more about, particularly the good habits one. I, and, uh, you know, I, I like to hear about what yeah. are you doing intentionally every yeah, day sure. that is helping you reset every day? Yeah. Well, the big one for me is a morning gratitude practice, which I've done every morning for three, three years now. I set an alarm at 5.30 every morning and I wake up, I start off by saying simple words, thank you God for the breath in my lungs and the light in my eyes. And I said that every day since just before lockdown. Um, and 
to be honest with you, it's completely transformed my life because I begin the day with gratitude. I then, if I have anything else to say, I say that I also thank you for that. Like people in my life, things that are happening at work, my personal life, so forth. But it just reframes the day. And one of the things I've noticed, there's a certain quality to the feeling of thanksgiving mm. that I believe is incompatible with mild depression. And so my hope is that if I'm remaining grateful, I'm, I'm safeguarding myself to those first early steps towards depression because it, you know, it always happens slight, gradually over time. But it's like the myth of... Uh, boiling a frog in a pan and not noticing the increase in temperature. Yeah. It's like that. You know, it creeps up on you. Yeah. And it's only when it's too late that you notice. Yeah. Um, but I've got lots of habits, including the gratitude prayer, that remind me that I've got things to be thankful for. And do you write anything down? Do you journal these things? Or is it just is it just in your mind? I used to keep a journal. Mm-hmm. The reason I stopped is I noticed the times I most needed it, I didn't keep it. <laughs> and it was too high maintenance. And I would feel bad for not keeping it. I'd feel like a failure. And that would then make me feel worse about myself. Yeah. So I decided to do something that was much more attainable, yeah. which is just wake up and saying thank you every morning. So I know some people who would have a strong faith would say that you should be cured from this or seeking medical help is, mm. is, shouldn't be necessary. What, yeah. what would you say to a cynic or somebody who would want sure. to kind of put you down for the things that you've put in place outside the faith yeah. elements of your life? Well, I think God works through people. I think God works through medicine, God works through our habits, God works through our family and our support network, and God brings people into our lives that can make a difference, and also brings people in our lives for whom we can make a difference, and that's where I get a lot of my value now. I get a lot of value from volunteering with C3, and working at C3, and just helping people out, and, and having a purpose in life. So which human has had the biggest impact on your life? Well, I think it'd have to be my, my mum, cliche, I know. But she went through a tough time with the menopause not long ago, and we really helped. We really banded together and helped each other out. I wrote her basically a small book of how to cope with depression, which helped her lift lift her out out of depression. And she now does lots lots of habits that I do that help out her, including prayer. So that's that's a real positive change in her life too. And yeah, we we just supported each other. She was going through a change. I was going through a change, and we I came back home at just the right time for us to go through that change together. And, and that little book you wrote for her, do you think that could be useful in a wider context? Yeah, I've, I've been tempted to write, it needs more work on mm-hmm. it. And I think I'd like to bring faith into it more because it's very secular because my, my mum at the time wasn't, wasn't practicing. But I think it's, and I'd like to publish a book. That's one of, the, one of my life goals. Um, and particularly if it could help people, that'd be great. That sounds like a great place to start. Yeah. I'm really curious. I want, I want to go back to something you said a little earlier about one of the things you put in place, which was going for walks and being outside mm. as being really important to yes. you. Um, t- tell me more about how that kind of physical and mental world connects. Yeah, sure. Well, I think there's definitely an interface between the mental and the physical. And it's well, well established in the academic literature that um, exercise helps with mild depression. It's very hard to get someone with serious depression to do exercise because they're not really, haven't got the energy. But the mild depression, it really helps. And um, I made a vow, at the, at the time it was to myself, because I didn't believe in God, I made a vow six years ago that I'd go outside every single day. And I've done that now every day since then, because during my depressions, I'd go a whole week without going outside. So I get a little burst of sunlight, I go for a walk, which is good exercise, gets your endorphins going, which is a nice feel-good neurotransmitters. And it just keeps that energy, keeps movement. And it's good for your physical health, it's good for your digestion, which is very, your, your microbiome is very important in the depression too. Um, sometimes it can be not getting enough um, selenium in your diet, can mm-hmm. help, can, can affect it. Yeah, I think the two are very intimately connected. 
And also, what about diet? Are you uh, following any particular practices in terms of what you eat? You just mentioned selenium. So mm. um, any, any particular things you avoid or things that you try to take more yeah. of? Well, I, I use probiotics, probiotic yogurts. And I do take a multivitamin. I'm not sure how much use multivitamins are, but I take one anyway because it can't hurt. And I take a vitamin D supplement. It's um, cod liver oil mixed with mold extract. So it's, got, it's rich in many micronutrients that just help your body function. I think in general, it's better to get vitamins from food rather than from tablets because your body naturally digests them better. So I try and eat plenty of a wide variety of different colored vegetables. I don't any, no longer, I no longer buy meat. So I'll eat meat if it's cooked for me, but I don't buy it. So I have a largely vegetarian diet. I haven't made any radical changes, really. It's been gradual, mm -hmm. small changes over time. So a, li a little bit like physical health, where we have to work hard to try and build that. It seems you've had to work hard for your mental health, Mark. Yes, I have, yeah. T tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's an interesting one, because I know I had to work a lot harder at the beginning. And I, and I think that's also true with um, physical health. You know, I've been doing Couch 5K recently, and I get knackered after doing 45 seconds of running. And I talk to my friends who've done it for years, and they, they're laughing at me, saying, I remember doing that. But you just keep at it and it'll get easier. And with mental health, it's been a hard process. I've had to work hard. But I think God works through the process. The, the process has given me self-worth. It's given me a stronger identity in myself. It's given me a sense of agency. And I think God works through the process. And there's something deeply edifying about the process of improving yourself, having that control, and being able to actively then give, up, give to other people with the overflow of that process. Because you end up with more more goodwill and mental health than you need and you're able to serve other people so i think yeah i think the process itself has something has something quite special about it yeah wonderful uh, psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in whom i trust and, and those two verses speak a lot mm, about being in the shelter, being in the refuge, yes. um, being inside a fortress. Um, what, what does that look like for you? Where do you go to find that place mm. of safety? Well, I, you know how Jesus retired to our quiet spaces to, to pray and be with the Father. For me, I have this, basically I was a practicing Buddhist before I became a Christian, and I still maintain a meditation, mm. but it's very Christ-focused now, to, or I meditate on verses. And that's one of them, actually, one of the ones that got me through depression. Mm. I, I, the Psalms are my place to go. Yeah. The Psalms and the later books of Isaiah, when it talks about the suffering servant. Mm. There's great solace in the Psalms. I think whoever wrote the Psalms, if it's David or other people, whoever it was, they've experienced hardship. They've experienced depression. They've gone through the dark valley. In life, and it really speaks to that. So for me, taking refuge, I, I really love this idea of God as an everlasting rock. Also, of being a mother bird with his wings around us and this nurturing, almost maternal care he has for us that is, yeah. happens throughout the Bible. Jesus himself compared himself to a mother hen and said, I'll often care for you and pull you back together. Yeah. Um, so the Psalms are my place to go. I'd like to wrap up with a question which is to address sort of two, two different people. The mm. first person is, is Mark the teenager yeah. who was really struggling. And the other person is the Ascend man who's listening to this and feeling he's on his own. People don't understand why he has these particular emotions or these yeah. feelings at certain times of the year or when certain things happen, has particular triggers. Uh, what would Mark say to those, those two people? Well, I can answer that. That's um, something I've already thought about. And I've written a letter to my past self as an exercise in, in, in doing this. And my message would be, you're already good enough. Whether that's to my past self or to one of our SEM men struggling with identity 
or with self-confidence or with self-flagellation, being harsh to themselves, mm. you're already good enough. There's a faith element to this in the sense that you've got God's grace and God, you don't have to work for God's grace. You don't have to earn it. You can't earn it. It's so great. And we already have that and we're already complete and we already are beloved of God. But even in a secular perspective, that you don't need to always attain for everything. There's, there's nothing wrong with taking a moment to appreciate where you've come from and to look back and pat yourself on the back and be proud of yourself. I think that would be my message to both of those groups. Great. And that's a, a lovely place to finish. You are good enough. Yep. Mark, you certainly are good enough. <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate all that you do around C3. We see the benefits of that. We love that loud voice that often says good morning as we walk <laughs> into the building. So you are very valued and uh, for what you do, but more importantly, for who you are. And you are good enough. So thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Alan. My pleasure. That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger. <laughs>